Hi, this is Morgan Gist McDonald. I'm sitting in my home office. My favorite quote is from Stephen Pressfield in his book, The War of Art. The most pernicious aspect of procrastination is that it can become a habit. We don't just put off our lives today, we put them off until our deathbed. Never forget, this very moment we can change our lives. There never was a moment and never will be when we are without the power to alter our destiny. This second, we can turn the tables on resistance. This second, we can sit down and do our work. And that quote just lights a fire under me. And I would suggest that anytime we sit down to write, we are seeking to fulfill our life's purpose. Welcome to another episode of Write of Your Life, where life happens and life storytelling transforms it. Our show is brought to you by lifestorytelling.com. And guess what? You don't have to be a writer to write your life stories. Lifestorytelling.com will teach you how. If you've been through hell and lived to tell about it, or your family skeletons are poking out of the closet, you'll want to check it out at lifestorytelling.com. Our guest today is Morgan Gist McDonald. Morgan is a writing coach and editor of nonfiction writing and founder of Paper Raven Editing. Her latest book, Start Writing Your Book Today, a step-by-step plan to write your nonfiction book from first draft to finished manuscript, is available in the Amazon Kindle store. Morgan blogs about nonfiction writing, motivation, and impacting the world with your words at paperravenediting.com. Welcome, Morgan. Thank you, Stacy. So glad to be here. Well, I'm really excited that you put this book out on Kindle and that you blog about motivation because mm-hmm. that's a big, huge issue, <laughs> <laughs> along with nonfiction writing right. and impacting the world. <laughs> Tell us a little bit more about yourself before we get started. Well, I'm a writing coach and editor, so I work mostly with nonfiction writers. I started out in academia, actually, and a lot of my first clients were academics who were writing for peer-reviewed journals and things like that. But as I've grown the business, I've really started to incorporate a lot wider variety of authors. So I'm working with a lot of entrepreneurs and people who just really want to explore writing. It's much less purpose-driven and much more sort of fulfilling some deep desire that they've always had. It's really fantastic to be on the journey with them. That's very cool. Now, tell me more about nonfiction. What forms of nonfiction are your are authors that you work with working on? So a lot of them still are in the peer-reviewed journals and writing books for academic presses. But more of my clients are experimenting with, like maybe they have a business and they're writing an ebook to put out on Amazon. That's become a huge way to build a platform or a business these days. Oh, yeah. And one of my authors is actually experimenting with photography. So in sort of this memoir style. So she's been an academic all her life, but she wants to go back to discover sort of who she was as a child. And she takes her camera with her and she explores the streets of Stockholm where she was originally a foster child. And um, she's really kind of playing with different interpretations of where photography is appropriate and where we can bring writing in and kind of mix them together in this really beautiful ensemble. Very cool. I love that because there's so many different ways you can share your life with other folks and not just writing a book about yourself. Exactly. You can do that in a lot of different ways. So tell me about, because I I read a recent blog post of yours about procrastination (laughs) and that's one of my downfalls a lot of times. (laughs) 
How do you deal with that? Tell tell us a little bit more about what you know on procrastination. Oh gosh. So first of all, I would say not to beat yourself up. We all procrastinate. It's just part of the human condition, right? But mm. I do feel like those moments when we procrastinate are almost indicators of we're approaching something important. So the more you procrastinate on something, actually the more important it might be for your life. So that project that's been simmering in the back of your mind for, I mean, gosh, I've worked with authors who have been thinking about a project for 10 years or more. I almost think the longer it's been simmering, the more important it is for who you are and for fulfilling your life purpose. Wow. So I think that's important to remember that it's not your failing that you're procrastinating. It's just you recognizing how important it is. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, and so to really bring that to the fore and say, and ask yourself, why is this important to me? Really in a very intentional, almost out loud way, like write out that statement. Why am I procrastinating on this? And why is it actually important to me? And I, I have my authors write out one to three sentences on a post-it note and put it above their computer and say, this is why this project is important for me. And that really helps with motivation a lot. Love that idea. <laughs> That's great. So write out one to three sentences as to why this project is important yeah, to you. Yeah, exactly. Put it right there on your computer so you see it every day. In fact, um, I, I don't know if it might or might not be helpful, but I really like to not only give general advice, but to give a specific example. And as you said, I just wrote my own book. So I just struggled with this exact same procrastination. And ah. um, I can go ahead and read you my why statement for my book. And that Oh, I would love that. Specific. Um, so my why statement for this book that I just wrote is, I'm writing this book to encourage and inspire writers to stop procrastinating and to give them the tools to write their book. This book will change some writer's life. She'll write the book she's always wanted, and that book just might change the world. This book will help me connect with authors and grow my business so I can support my family and work from anywhere in the world. So that's literally on a yellow post-it note that's above my computer, and I read it every day, and it's so inspiring. That is inspired. Well, that inspired me. Can I, can I steal that? Yeah, sure. You should tweak it so that it's yours. Yes, yes, definitely. So your book is Start Writing Your Book Today. What would somebody do? It's a step-by-step -step plan. So what would somebody do to get started today if they were thinking about writing a nonfiction book? You know, my favorite exercise, especially for the beginning of a project, is uh, free writing. And I know when you hear the word free writing, you probably like flash back to some college course on creative writing or something. But mm -hmm. um, this version of free writing is a bit more intense and specific. Uh, so first, I guess the concept of free writing is that you have a lot of information and memories and associations sort of stored in your mind. And when you sit down to write, if you sit down with the intention of, I'm going to write my book right now, your internal editor kind of turns on and starts judging your thoughts and your words before you even put anything down on paper. So you want to right. you want to push past that. You want to you want to write so fast that your internal editor can't judge the words before they're on the paper. So that's kind of the idea. Is you want to almost create a direct connection between what your hands are typing or what your hand is writing and and what is residing in the back of your mind, if that kind of makes sense. So the right. way you do that with this free writing exercise is you, you sit down, you have a timer, and the timer is really important, so don't skip the timer step. Mm -hmm. So you can set it for five minutes if you're a little bit nervous, or 15 minutes if you want something a little bit more um, challenging. 
So I like to set the timer for 15 minutes, hands on the keyboard, and just bring to mind what you want to write about. If you're thinking about writing something about your childhood, just vaguely bring it to mind. And then start typing or writing literally as fast as you can so that you're not not pausing, you're not hitting the backspace, you're not rereading anything that came before, you're just trying to go as fast as you possibly can. And it's only for five minutes or 10 minutes or 15 minutes, and you're just trying not to judge anything. And so I find that if you do a few of those free writing sessions, you kind of open up the floodgates and it provides a lot of clarity and a lot of motivation at the same time. Wow. Now, is that does that happen the first time or do you have to practice a couple of times before it starts flowing? It really depends on the person and, and almost how nervous you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so if you need a little bit of time to kind of get adjusted to this style of writing, uh, it might take, you know, two or three times. But most people within, like if you do a one 15-minute chunk at the end of 15 minutes, you'll be surprised at how the types of things that you end up writing about. And suddenly, I mean, because at the very, the first couple minutes, you're fairly predictable. It's like, I want to write about the time when I was five years old and this happened, you know. But then you're pushing yourself to write as fast as you can and you suddenly find that you're running out of predictable things to say and suddenly the unpredictable things are starting to tumble out and that's where it gets interesting. I like that, unpredictable. Mm -hmm. You've got to get that out. So you don't have to start necessarily at the beginning and then free write all the way through. You can start at whatever you want mm -hmm. and then rearrange it later on. Yeah, exactly. And that's easy. And you don't even really have to use the free writing. It's I didn't none of the words that I free wrote ended up in the book, if that makes sense. It was the uh -huh. the practice of the free writing that um, enabled me to have clarity. And once I had that clarity, then I was able to write just in the more, I guess, traditional sense. It wasn't free writing. It was just, it was just purposeful and intentional writing. Mm -hmm. Does that distinction kind of make sense? Yeah, it definitely does. Now, one of the things you say is that people, they want to or they're trained to hold their own life story at arm's length. Mm -hmm. Tell me a little bit about that. What does that mean? And how can you not hold it at arm's length then and to get this out? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean... My first clients were academics, and I, I was trained in academia. I was a sociologist. And there you are really told quite up front that your, anything you write should be objective, should be truth with a capital T, you know, that is not mm -hmm. your own subjective perspective. And so people begin, and I think schools really do this too. I think college classes do this for a lot of people, teaching you to not rely just on your own opinion, but to really look out the facts, you know, capital F facts. <laughs> right. And, and so to separate out your experience from what is objectively true. Mm -hmm. And I think entrepreneurs and business people do the same thing. They, they want to present a self that is, that's objective and professional. And both of the, those stances are sort of, I imagine the posture is being very upright and being separated from an identity that's too emotional, too personal, too sort of touchy-feely. But the interesting thing is that when you get in the middle of a writing project, those lines start to blur. It's really difficult to say, oh, this is an objective statement and it's separate from who I am. Exactly. The writer can't be separate from the words. And so when you go on one of these writing journeys, you discover a lot about who you are, and that's kind of where the fascinating stuff starts to happen, even for the most 
quote, professional, you know, writers, the academics, the business people, the entrepreneurs. I mean, you have to inject yourself into your writing or the writing will come find you, <laughs> you know, one way or another, you will come out in your writing. That's where the connections happen. That's where the magic happens between the writer and the reader is when you reveal yourself and you become more vulnerable to your reader. Right. And your passions start to show through and that makes exciting writing when you're passionate about what you're writing about. Yes, that right. is so true. You are an editor and so obviously people get an editor involved at some point. Mm -hmm. You know, at what point does that happen? Or are you involved as a coach from the beginning or just as an editor towards the end? You know, at any point you can bring in someone else. So if you are just really lost in a fog, a writing coach is someone who can help you even come up with the idea to nail down the idea of your book and walk you through step by step. Or if you already have kind of a first draft going, you can bring in an editor after the first draft. You can go ahead and revise and then bring in an editor. I mean, it's truly whatever your comfort level is. The, the terms will change. So if you're bringing in someone at the very beginning of a project, that's a writing coach. Uh, if you have an idea but you don't actually want to write it, you can bring in a ghostwriter and that person will write the whole thing for you. <laughs> um, if you have written at least a first draft, at that point you can bring in an editor. And if you've already, you're pretty sure you've finished the whole book and you would say it's revised, you would then bring in a copy editor who does the sentences and just cleans everything up and makes it sound really smooth. And if you think the whole thing is totally, completely finished, almost ready for the presses, that's when you bring in a proofreader. So that's okay. the person who does the typos. So that's kind of the spectrum of editing. Right. Do you do all of that? I focus more on the writing coaching. I don't do ghost writing. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I'll, I do do editing. So if someone has like a first draft already, I will edit and help them revise that. And then for proofreading, I bring in someone to do proofreading. Okay. Proofreading is a special skill set. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you've got to have a sharp eye and a huge detail mm -hmm. for that. You have actually written a little bit about your life as well. Mm -hmm. And I know a little piece of you is in each thing that you write, but do you have a short piece that you can read for us that you have written yourself about your life? I did. Well, I, um, especially reading when you sent me all of the information about your audience and how you're truly trying to inspire people to write your life story, um, I did write a little snippet. <laughs> um, so this is not... So this is fresh. It's fresh. It's not published anywhere. And it's really, Great. I mean, this is sort of a late night musing. <laughs> uh -huh. All right. Well, go for it. All right. I was told that I was a smart girl, good at research, quick to understand complicated ideas. They told me I was a good writer and a natural leader. They shaped who I thought I was. I followed their advice. I did well in school and kept doing well in school until I stumbled into academia. There, lost among sociological statistics and facts, I realized I'd never known who I was. I left that cold world seeking myself, and I found myself in my own words. I heard myself talking to another writer, encouraging that writer, telling her that she was smart, that she was a good writer, that she should have confidence in herself. When those words reverberated off my ears, I recognized myself, and I smiled. Oh, that was a lovely passage. <laughs> Very descriptive. And that's what I love about good writing is that it's descriptive and you can see a picture in your head 
of you talking to yourself mm-hmm. and someone else hearing this saw something else, but it's descriptive enough where you can recognize maybe yourself in there mm-hmm. and paint that picture in your head. Is that what happened to you? You were talking to somebody else in your mind or you're preparing something for someone else and you really recognize, hey, I'm doing this for me. <laughs> I did, yeah. I was I was still actually in academia and I was helping a colleague with one of her papers because she was not a natural writer. No one had ever told her that she was a good writer. Uh-huh. And I it was some late night, we were going through one of her papers and she just was overcome with self-doubt and just thinking she'd never make it. And I just heard myself encouraging her because I knew she was brilliant from the outside looking at her and her writing. I mean, mm-hmm. the writing didn't come naturally, but but I wanted her to know that she could do it. And, and, and as I was encouraging her, I, I recognized, wow, I don't need to be in academia. Like, I need to be helping writers because there are some seriously amazing, inspiring people who want to write and maybe it doesn't feel natural and they're just overcome with self-doubt and all they need is someone who will support them and encourage them and say, no, you can do this and let me walk with you. And that's when I realized I wanted to be the person that walks with them. That's fabulous. So what you're saying is you don't have to be a natural writer or a professional writer to inspire the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that is really one of, that's like a foundation of my worldview, I think, that Mm -hmm. I would possibly go so far as to say there is no such thing as a natural writer, that all writers struggle so intensely, you wouldn't even believe. Like, you would read someone's finished manuscript and you would think, oh, they they just wrote this off, like, no big deal. But I have walked through those manuscripts with those writers, and they are just... Every, I mean, every single writer is just overcome with self-doubt and uncertainty and I can't do this and it doesn't sound right and this doesn't make sense and no one will ever want to read this. But those writers, really all of us, are too close to our own words, we're too judgmental, we're too harsh. What the rest of the world sees and what, the, what our readers see is someone who's really trying. That's all we want, is mm-hmm. someone who's trying to tell their story. And as readers, we crave that. We want to know other people's stories. And all we want is someone who's brave enough to tell their story. That's true because we can, you know, it resonates with us. We see someone else's struggle and we see our struggle in someone else. Mm -hmm. And if we hadn't read that passage or read that book or read someone else's story, Mm -hmm. we might be lesser people for that. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Well, Morgan, thank you so much for your wisdom today and your words. And I know that you have something very, very interesting to share with our readers, something to give away to them that no one else can see. And it is a behind the scenes video of how you wrote your latest book, right? (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) Tell us about that. I'm excited. So I got this idea for a behind the scenes video because I had, as I was writing my book, I would sort of tell people bits and pieces. Oh, I have this many words or this is what it's going to be about. Or I just got my cover designed and people kept making comments like, oh, I'm so glad you're able to do this. I could never write a book. And I just was Mm -hmm. laughing because I literally, I feel like I'm no one special. My life is nothing special. And people are like, oh, I I just don't have the time for writing a book. And I walk you through behind the scenes that 
I don't really have the time to write a book either. I mean, I literally wrote the book in 20 minute chunks between 4 and 5 a.m. when I was feeding the baby. Like, and that was when most of the book was written. <laughs> if you can read, if you can write a book at that time of morning, you know, over that period of time, anybody can write. I don't know. I mean, it was a little bit crazy. And I guess that's what I would like to encourage people with this behind the scenes video is that my life is pretty normal. You just have to be a little bit crazy. <laughs> and I walk you through, like I, I show my house. <laughs> you even get uh -huh. to see my baby. <laughs> and Aww. I also show you my Scrivener setup. Uh, Scrivener is a really popular writing tool. You don't have to use Scrivener. But if you're interested and you want to know what someone who's written a book, what their Scrivener setup looks like, I'll show you my setup. i show you how okay. I track my progress. You know, I write down the day and date and how many words I wrote. Uh, I'll show you how I got my cover designed and how I put it up on Amazon, the whole thing. So it's really just to encourage people that it's not, it's not that hard and you don't need to be someone special. You just need to be maybe a little bit crazy and brave. <laughs> mm -hmm. And decide you're going to do it. And decide right? you're going to do it. That's exactly right. Thank you so much, Morgan. I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Stacy. Great information from Morgan McDonald. Morgan's show notes and links are available at writeofyourlife.com slash Morgan McDonald, along with a free download that scrapbookers might be interested in. It's called Story Arc for Scrapbooks. Now, at the end of each episode, I peek into the Life Story Toolkit and share information on one particular tool that you might consider using if you're writing or would like to start writing about your life. The Life Story Toolkit is sponsored by lifestorytelling.com where you can find your life theme, discover where to start writing, and craft your life into a compelling story. This episode's Life Story Toolkit features a book, The Emotion Thesaurus. One of the biggest problem areas for writers is conveying the character's emotion to the reader in a unique and compelling way. This book comes to the rescue by highlighting 75 emotions and listing the possible body language cues, thoughts, and visceral responses for each. Using its easy-to-navigate list format, readers can draw inspiration from character cues that range in intensity to match any emotional moment. The Emotion Thesaurus also tackles common emotion-related writing problems and provides methods to overcome them. This writing tool encourages writers to show, not tell, emotion and is a creative brainstorming resource. Well, that's all we have for today. In our last episode, Mary DeMuth explained what to do if you worry about what other people will think if you tell your story. So if you've been shy about telling your story, or there's someone difficult in your life, you might want to go back and check that out. Next episode, we'll interview a storyteller that encourages us to work around the edges of our story rather than plunging in headfirst. She believes that storytelling can be used as currency for human connection. If you liked the podcast, we'd love it if you shared it with friends and family. You can find the share button on just about any podcast player you're listening to right now. You can also head over to writeofyourlife.com and share it from there. We're on Pinterest, Facebook, and just about anywhere you can hold a great virtual conversation. My handle is Write of Your Life. This show is put together by consulting producer Nick Jaworski at podcastmonster.com and myself, Stacy Curtis. We hope that today you have the right of your life. <laughs> <laughs>